How does it make you feel? Being, well, more than other men. Writing wrongs that the law wouldn't or couldn't touch. You mean a super crime fighter? Yes. Welcome to Now Playing's movie retrospective of The Avengers. Some assembly required. There had better be good reason for this. In a few moments, you can decide for yourself if the reason is good enough. Part of our Marvel Comics movie retrospective. These are not the affairs of mortal men. Looking back at the early film adaptations of The Avengers. It's bad medicine. And nobody said the medicine's going to taste any good. But can we afford not to take it? I don't think so. Nick Fury. Score one for the free world. Captain America. Hey, you need me, you got me. You know that. And Doctor Strange. I don't think I'm ready for that. I think you are. Hosted by Arnie. So working alongside a legend such as yourself really promises to be quite a thrill. Jacob. Happens to be the best damn candidate out of 600 volunteers. And Stuart. He was a greater man than most people realized. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. But it is my best medical opinion that you will experience only beneficial results. Listener discretion is advised. All right. Let's go kick some Hydra butt. Today we're discussing Captain America 2, Death Too Soon, starring Reb Brown, Connie Selica, Len Berman, Christopher Lee. What are you doing here? Awesome. And directed by Ivan Nagy. I'm Arnie, co-host of Now Playing, and it seems like the more I watch these movies, the older I get. This is Stuart in L.A. And this is Jacob, the Now Playing host that's better than Duke Williams. It is one week for us, but to television viewing audiences, ten months have passed since Captain America first put on the suit. And here we are for the sequel, another chance to get a Captain America weekly TV series, perhaps, and I think here we get a vision of what the Captain America series would have been. This feels like the first episode. This is a pattern they did with the Hulk, actually. When we get to the Hulk, we're doing the pilot episode, but the first episode was actually another two-hour movie of the week type thing as a way to launch the Bill Bixby series, and I think they're doing that with Cap to lesser success. Definitely. This show would have gone forward. From what I can tell, from the research that I read, it was stymied basically financially. That The reason why we didn't get a series right after the first one was they were in deep negotiations with marvel and marvel was demanding a very high fee per episode for licensing to put in perspective hulk cost twenty five thousand dollars every episode of hulk you pay twenty five thousand dollars to marvel for captain america they doubled it and so they were still negotiating they were still hopeful they could work that out and talk that price down by the time they got the second movie out but they never could see eye to eye And I know things were getting a little bit contentious. During this period, the Hulk was such a success, CBS was looking at doing a spinoff with She-Hulk. And so Marvel's like, if they create She-Hulk, they own her. So they rushed into the comics a She-Hulk comic just so that they would own the character in case CBS went through with that. Wouldn't it have to be on the Playboy channel? I mean, if she did what Lou Frigno did. Hers tore in different places. Yeah, she kept the top on. And also during this time... I mean, Incredible Hulk had been on for several years. It seems like they could have been looking for a perhaps cheaper replacement, and this just turned out not to be cheaper. Now, I do want to state, Stuart, you say these are TV movies. This was released theatrically in France. 
now we know why they hate us so much. <laughs> wow, France, a cultured city. I mean, I really know. Okay. <laughs> well, they love Jerry Lewis there. Maybe Reb Brown is like Jerry Lewis to the French. <laughs> I apologize Maybe. to all our French listeners. Yeah, I'm sure they don't love this any better than we do. So for those of us that don't live in France, how about a plot summary, Arnie? Well, since the events of the last movie, Steve Rogers is apparently spending his days on Venice Beach drawing portraits of old ladies. And in the first few scenes, we see him become Captain America to stop a gang of reasonably ethnic neighborhood thugs. Arnie, you had to tell us not to laugh again. (laughs) It's just too damn hard not to. Sorry. And so in the first few scenes, we see him become Captain America to stop a gang of reasonably ethnic neighborhood thugs who are robbing old ladies as soon as their pension checks are cashed. I don't think I could tell you to not laugh during this one. (laughs) Back at the secret government base where Roger's boss, Dr. Mills, works, Professor Ian Ilson has been kidnapped. And in the wreckage, they find Ilson wrote the kidnapper's name, Miguel. A revolutionary behind the airport bombing at Copenhagen, the World Cup track meet slaughter, and most of the assassinations of head of state. And Miguel is played by Hammer horror icon and 21st century sci-fi fantasy icon Christopher Lee. Miguel kidnapped Ilsen because Ilsen was working on a cure to aging. But to cure aging, first Ilsen decided he had to speed up aging, so he developed a chemical that would make you age a month for every hour that passes. Mills has Steve track a rare chemical Ilsen used in his research to try and find the doctor, leading Steve to the small town of Belleville, where everyone is kind of closed off to strangers, and we are eventually are told Miguel tested the aging poison on the town, and to keep the town quiet, has left a doctor there to dispense small amounts of the cure, just enough to stop the effects, but not enough that the town would actually be cured. But despite hostility from the locals, Steve makes friends with single mom farm owner Helen and her child labor law-breaking son Peter. And with their aid, Steve is able to track down Miguel's base to a penitentiary 43 miles outside of Belleville, where Miguel is pretending to be the warden. But in the meantime, the government refused Miguel's ransom demand of $1 billion. So Miguel uses a sky-riding airplane to spray... To spread the aging formula across all of Portland, Oregon, and now demands $2 billion to release the cure. And in full cap costume, Steve escapes town thugs in a big damn fight. And I mean damn as in water, not like damn, that's one big fight. And then he infiltrates Miguel's prison headquarters, but Miguel escapes. Cap chases after him by transforming his jet motorcycle into a hang glider? <laughs> And a final fight ensues between Miguel and Cap, with Miguel throwing some of his aging potion at Cap, and Cap's shield causes it to pour all over Miguel, killing him of old age in a matter of minutes. But fortunately, Miguel was also carrying the cure, which Mills and Windy Day, now played by Connie Selica, use a crop duster to spread over Portland, leaving everyone probably several months older, but presumably mostly still alive. And Steve returns to the farm to be with Helen and Peter as we cut to commercial. You know, I realize these are only 10 months apart, but I'm hoping coming into it as a sequel, yes, it's for TV, but maybe making it bigger and better, hopefully some more action, a little quicker paced. And what do we get right off the bat that smashes those expectations? Another 10-minute opening credit scene of the shagging wagon riding along the coast. <laughs> the same footage but you know what i got off of it this time with the music playing and things it felt very john denver to me 
I don't know why, but I just kept thinking Rocky Mountain Way with this. Yeah, they dropped the funk and, and went for more of a country blues theme. Hey, Highway 1 is one of my favorite rides in the entire world. I don't mind watching this. PCH is great, but this is Captain America. I don't need the shot again. I'm right there with you, Stuart. I miss driving along the PCH now that I'm in Texas. I don't get an ocean. I don't get the great scenery, but I'm not watching a nature film here. (laughs) I'm appreciating this movie now that I live in L.A. of seeing places that I know very well as they were 30 years ago. The movie kicks off in Venice Beach, which is my hood. I love it. Yes, and I love when they get to Venice Beach because it's not as scummy as it is now, but it's still pretty scummy even back then. Oh, my God. For those that don't know L.A. people, it's the only place in L.A. where you can wear a red, blue, and white spandex suit and nobody's going to notice nothing about it. It's like, whatever. I mean, Venice is a meeting place. Really, it's Mecca for freaks. I mean, what this culture is down here. I mean, it's where bodybuilders, movie stars, and homeless people all have formed a renegade culture. And it makes sense to me that that's where our aspiring artist slash superhero would have wound up. I love they show a guy roller skating around holding the ghetto blaster. I swear that dude's still there. Like, literally, I'm not even joking. There are people over the last 30, 40 years that are there every day. And if you visit there every year, every few years, you see these people over and over again. And I loved the setting up. You know, I realized that the television makers, filmmakers are trying to set up a location and a feel. But what it sets up to me is a time. And I'm thinking, wow, the 70s show has nothing on this. If I were to do a period piece, I would just pull out this opening scene and be like, that outfit and that outfit and that outfit with the roller skates. Yeah, so what the whole beach shot of Lost Boys did for the 80s, like this is doing for the 70s. But bearing it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that said, even though I understand that Steve would fit right in with this culture, it's kind of a come down, right? I mean... Last time he stopped Phoenix from being destroyed by a neutron bomb, and this time he's grabbing handbags back from old ladies that have been attacked by muggers. I just want to know why he's drawing the old ladies. Is he paid to do this? Is it a fetish? She looks like Julie Christie and Farrah Fawcett. He says it right to her. So it's a fetish. We wondered last time if he was into dudes or guys. It's old people? I don't know what Steve is into, truly. I have no idea what he's about. He's trying to find himself. Keep in mind, he is just blissfully wandering around trying to find out who he is. I went through a phase. I was in the senior citizen home sketching them all up. (laughs) I need to draw you. Yeah, lean in a little bit more. Your catheter is getting in the way. Okay, perfect. (laughs) I kind of like this opening scene for its absurdity. Like, again, thinking about this as a sequel, you know, it took 70 minutes for him to finally put on the suit, but he becomes Captain America. So, like, this, you're supposed to open up, like, with the big action scene of him in the costume. No, it's him drawing an old lady. She's talking about how (laughs) They just have these checks laying around. No one will cash their pension checks. I'm not sure how they're living because no one wants to cash the checks because there's a gang stealing their money. And he's like, well, go ahead and cash that. And she's like, okay. It's just so absurd. I'm like, really? This is where Captain America goes next? Like you said, Stuart, he stops this bomb, kind of. And this is where they go. He's helping old ladies. Yes, people call Captain America the Boy Scout. Literally, he's a Boy Scout here, helping old (laughs) ladies cross the road, protecting them from muggers. It's kind of blowing my mind. I am loving this. All of a sudden, I am so much happier than I was when I ended last week's movie because... All of a sudden, I think we're in Batman 66 territory. This is hysterical. 
This is just Adam West type stuff, right? Wouldn't Adam West do this exact same thing in Batman? You go cash your check, ma'am. But his tongue would be in his cheek. I mean, the difference... I don't know where Red Brown's tongue is at this point, but it could be in his cheek. I wasn't sure. No. I don't think he's smart enough to know where his cheek is, but it's still fun. (laughs) No, he doesn't get the joke. He has no idea what he's doing. He hasn't taken any acting lessons. I'm not sure he's taken any sketching lessons. He's looking just as clueless this time, but you're right. Right from the get-go, this one is more absurd and all the better for it. And I love this old lady goes to cash her pension check, not at a bank. It was a fruit stand, wasn't it? Yes, a fruit stand. (laughs) uh, I'm like, there's your problem. This is why you're getting mugged. You're not going to a bank. You're going to a fruit stand on Venice Beach. And I love that as soon as she walks away from the fruit stand, there's the thug in the jean jacket with the red bandana stalking her and i'm thinking maybe this show's being clever and it's gonna fake me out and that's just one of the guys on venice beach that can't be the thug no it is the thug and he has a dune buggy driving partner that's awesome yeah the best part is that the whole plot is i'm gonna grab the bag and throw it to the dude in the dune buggy and he's gonna drive away Here's where it gets even crazier. He goes to throw it to the guy in the Doom buggy. Captain America intercepts it on his motorcycle that he's used as rocket powers to jump out of the back of the van, intercepts the bag. The dude in the Doom buggy doesn't chase him. The guy on foot does. Then he gets crazier. Captain America decides to go after the guy in the Doom buggy instead of using his bike, which has rockets. He runs after him. Yes, one of Captain America's special flag powers is he can speed up the rate at which film plays. It's like, this is insane. Uh, What about how he takes out the mugger who attacks him? He throws the shield. It does its hover thing where it's like a flying saucer that's barely moving. And it misses the thug. And the thug's like, ha ha. But then it comes back and hits him in the back of the head boomerang style. It is a very deadly weapon. Look, dudes, they gotta, like, catch everyone up about what this guy's powers is. And you get it. If, even if you missed the last one, and there was no TiVo back then, so it's quite <laughs> probable that people missed the first movie, well, now you know. It's a dude in spandex that throws killer frisbees, rides around on Evil Knievel's bike, and can, yeah, outrun a dune buggy. I mean, we get who the superhero is in from this opening, and I'm hoping they can keep the momentum, because you're right, it's hysterical. I'm loving this. This is camp gold. I mean, this is Spider-Man turn off the dark grate. And it's good we get this action in the beginning, because any more action is a long time coming. But then, unfortunately, we leave Venice Beach. I would have been happier this whole movie was just that. So did I. I just, you know, Captain America, he's there to clean up Venice Beach. I want that television show. I would pay for that. It would be a sitcom, but yeah, I, I like I said, I could see it. But we have to go to the main plot where Professor Ilson has been kidnapped, and during his kidnapping, he pours acid on glass and uses his finger to write Miguel. No! M-I-G-U. It's Migoo. No, there's a second piece of glass. There's two pieces of glass, yes. It's put together. It says Miguel. Oh, okay. I'm like, Mr. Magoo? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> and they say Dr. Ilson is researching a cure for aging and i'm like ah it's the fountain of youth what a great comic book mcguffin (laughs) miguel wants to get that fountain of youth so he can live forever right i mean christopher lee's always been old and and he's dracula he is supposed to live forever but no that's not at all the plot first of all christopher lee is playing miguel central casting (laughs) we have a problem here i just love that he's the revolutionary 
Miguel, he's essentially Carlos the Jackal, again, another figure ripped from 70s headlines, an international terrorist like Che Guevara, Yasser Arafat, and Christopher Lee. <laughs> it seems a little off. Hold on now. I am not going to argue with the casting of Christopher Lee. No, I'll back you up, Arnie. When I saw that Christopher Lee was in this, even before I'd seen the first one, I felt like there was a great chance the second one could be better because of Christopher Lee. I mean, this man has done so many things I've seen from Hammer Horror Films to Lord of the Rings to Star Wars. And this guy always brings the same gravitas, the same menace. I've never seen him play a good guy. And I am all for him. Even I don't care if he's Miguel or if he's Pierre or if he's Peter, but I'm happy it's Christopher Lee. I just don't believe this guy, like, grew up fighting in the bush. I don't believe it either, Stuart. Like, when they say Miguel the Revolutionary, I don't think of Christopher Lee, but when Christopher Lee shows up in his acting and portrayal in this, I enjoy it. It's absurd that he's Miguel the Revolutionary, but I like it when he's on the screen. I love what he's the revolutionary of, because they list his crimes. And there's the airport bombing at Copenhagen. Well, I know airplane terrorism was huge in the late 70s, so I'd go with that one. The second one makes me scratch my head. The World Cup track meet slaughter. (laughs) Well, no, actually, the Olympics, you know, had had an assassination. All this stuff is vaguely masked real-life occurrences. But the World Cup's a soccer match. Are there a lot of track meets at it? And the fact that it's just called the World Cup slaughter, I don't know. There's something comical about that. And then assassinations of head of state. So I figured this guy's a politically motivated terrorist. But nah, he just wants a billion dollars. It's not even really clear. I mean, presumably he'll funnel that back into his gorillas or whatever. I'm not sure who his gorillas are. He's got like one dude named Kramer. That's the only guy that I saw helping him out. But presumably there's a whole bunch of beret commie guys throughout the world that are willing to take up the cause of Miguel, right? So that's what the money's got to be for. Yeah, because if I understood this movie correctly, most of the people protecting him were actual guards of the prison that he's pretending to be the warden of, and they have no idea? Like, wow, like, this is just such a leap (laughs) for this story. Yeah, I love this. My big plot is I'm going to steal the world's most renowned biochemist. No one notices for three weeks. Because he's locked up in a room? Like... (laughs) Because he's eccentric. (laughs) They're like, no, you can't go in there. You can't bother him. He's a mad scientist. You don't even look until the monster's coming down the hall chasing you. I mean, yeah, (laughs) that's the drill. But then they set up shop in a prison, and they actually find a prison that was hiring a new warden. I don't know what they did to the warden. As They say they killed him. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. That's sad. I was hoping that, I don't know. They tied him up and left him in the scientist's office where nobody's going to look for three weeks. You take him to the meatpacking plant or, you you know, I don't know, you have an accident on an oil slick road. I don't know. I feel like you need a more inventive kill than just like, ah, we took care of him. They could have locked him up because as far as I could tell, this is a prison with no prisoners. They take over the job. And yes, all these prison guards have no idea that they're working for Miguel, the most famous terrorist in the entire world. They didn't have the Internet back then. You didn't know what these people look like. And they don't seem to be bothered by the fact that instead of prisoners, they're now filling the jail cells with laboratory mice because the whole place is going to become a place where they can test out a new drug. Yeah, there's not even prisoners in this, right? Is this like a brand new jail? It's like the grand opening? (laughs) 
seriously, I mean, logic would dictate that he would use the prisoners as his guinea pigs, right? But those cost money. I think you have to hire actors. The mice, well, we can go down <laughs> to the bat shop. and Or at least he releases the prisoners to stop Captain America when Captain America is trying to foil his plan so there could be some action. Again, money. Yeah. Come on, TV budget in the 70s. There's no way they can do this. So, yeah, they got a bunch of mice in cages, and that's the prison. Yeah. You mentioned Kramer, Stewart. This was bugging the hell out of me because I'm recognizing this guy but not able to place him because he's about 30 years younger than I knew him. He was Monk's shrink on Monk until, sadly, the actor passed. But I did recognize him. It was more the voice than anything. He was also in Melrose Place. I don't know if you saw that. Of course he saw that. Sure I did. Yeah, him and Lisa Rinna. <laughs> Good crossover there. So that's where Miguel's hiding. Walk me through how they're trying to find him. Because this laboratory didn't have security guards. It didn't have videotape. It didn't have anything that would actually allow you to see how he was stolen from the laboratory and the place was torn up three weeks ago. No, instead, they admit the fact that he was using a contraband drug being shipped from Ecuador as the basis. It's called cocaine. (laughs) It is cocaine. I'm like, this isn't something that he used in his experiments. This was like his version of coffee. I I thought it actually was cocaine. It looks like cocaine when they grab a bunch of it. It really does. Because I was confused by this whole drug plot way of tracking him i just thought he's captain america why we're looking for the bad guy why not do a cocaine bust sadly this is probably the most truthful plot point in the entire movie about like yes the u.s government using the shell to funnel drugs into this country i'm like yeah that actually we laugh that's probably closer to the truth than we'd like to think but anyway that's what's happening this scientist is fencing coke it's coming in through the docks and so captain america is going to go down there and check it out hey we needed an action scene right and i'm for any action after that last movie well he's driving through crates this time he's jumping on cranes he's trying to act secretive i don't know if he's supposed to be covert because if he is why not just go with steve rogers if he wants to be loud and flashy then yes just start jump in with your rocket fueled motorcycle and just start punching people don't try to be covert in this spandex outfit you know what this doesn't even need to happen if these things were coming to the scientist why not just sign the way bill and then open it up (laughs) You know, you don't need to bust into stuff that you already own. And the best part is, Captain, you know, he rips open the crate, he pulls out the bag of what's obviously a cocaine-like substance, and then he goes to pocket it. The man don't even have any utility belt. He shoves it down his crate. Kind of like shoves it in his underarm or something. Is that a kilo of coke or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> I love that later on, the shipment got busted. Oh, was it customs? Oh, no. Somebody just tried to steal it. Oh, that happens all the time. Yes. (laughs) Like, half the stuff gets stolen from the dock. Well, don't you think, like, if you were an employee here, if you were a businessman, and half of your stuff got stolen, maybe hire a security guard or two. Maybe take some of those people from the empty jail and have them cover the docks in their spare time. Well, at any rate, yeah, they let it go on so that it can go on to where the real doctor is being kept. They figure if they let this cocaine into the country, that that cocaine is going to end up in the doctor's laboratory. This is the theory. And so it leads him to Belleville. And so to integrate himself among the locals, Steve finds some random cat and paints it. Seriously, like, (laughs) I was ready to quit now playing. (laughs) 
Like, I'm watching a comic book movie, and, like, it's not just, like, a quick scene of him drawing a cat. This is, like, really, isn't it half the movie of him sitting around Belleville? What are you talking about? This cat is Heathcliff. This is a crossover. I'm getting excited. I'm hoping Garfield's going to show up with some lasagna. Oh, man. You know what, though? You're ready to quit now playing. I'm back at Batman 66, but I was confused because he's like, they're tracking drugs. And the next time we see him, he's drawing a cat. I'm like, did he take a break? Yeah, I had no idea what was going on. Like, I did this disc skip? Did they just cut a scene to make time for an extra commercial? What is going on? What did he do with that bag? That's what I'm thinking. I think that some tooting happened. And that's all I can think of why you would put in the middle of the time. Like, you're proud. In the middle of the square, you set a cat there, like, for hours doing some oil acrylic work. Yeah, well, you know, not surprisingly, the heavies want to check this turkey out. <laughs> I think that even if they weren't heavies, wouldn't you be suspicious? And then they come out, they're like, why are you painting him here? Well, this is where the cat is. Everything ends up being about finding out the local vet. It's all very, very bizarre here. Okay. The vet is the big imposter. For some reason, he knows this. That's why he's like, I'm going to take this cat to the vet. No, there's lines outside the vet's door like they're waiting for gasoline. And he wants to know why is everybody trying to get in so much to this vet. And so he goes in, he grabs a cat somewhere and goes and gets in line for the vet where he makes friends with a couple locals. And Jacob, last movie, you were talking about the pedophile van. Don't you find it weird that he goes up and starts talking to little Peter about, would you like to show me some trails, Peter? I'm like, whoa, these days I'd call a cop. It did have a little creepy vibe, but I was willing to go with it because this is a comic book. There is a long history of grown men running around with young boys in comic books. Batman and Robin, sidekicks were a big thing. Captain America even had a sidekick in, during World War II, Bucky. That's just the norm, old men and young boys. In the 50s, that got in comic books in a lot of trouble because Dr. Frederick Wortham decided to read something into that and say that comic books were turning men into homosexuals and... and Corrupting the youth. Okay, but I'm sorry. If I went up to a, your average 10-year-old boy, asked him to show me some trails, and when he couldn't because he was too busy, I then said, well, I'll help him with his chores. I'd be in jail. But that's the difference between then and now, too. I mean, we should be said that there was no to catch a predator on TV. It was a little more innocent of a time. Not the late 70s. There were still don't talk to strangers and check your candy for needles in 79. He did not offer him <laughs> any candy bars. There was no offers <laughs> to go into the van whatsoever. What he's really trying to do is work over the mother because there's a single mother who's like, oh, everything's better in Greenwood. You need to go to Greenwood. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I keep hearing about Greenwood. I, my next vacation, for sure. <laughs> He's like, no, I want to stay on an abandoned ranch in the middle of nowhere. With Peter. <laughs> and she's not interested at all. Yeah, like, she's a widow, and here's this handsome, strapping man. Her son is the only one that can do any of the chores. This, what, eight-year-old boy is the only one doing any chores on a working farm, and she's blowing this guy off and telling him to go to Greenwood. Yeah, this guy could be pulling the plows for her. She doesn't need any horses pulling the plows with Steve Rogers there. And she's like, no. No, she's trying to protect him. I, I guess worried that if the secret gets out, you'd think she'd want an outsider to find well, out. No, because that's how they make sure they don't talk to outsiders is they don't get their weekly vaccination of the anti-aging drug. Because they've all been poisoned and they're getting weekly injections from this vet. So they don't age. And as soon as they let the secret out of the bag, then they'll stop giving them the vaccination. 
Yeah. The real aims of Miguel, this town is the guinea pigs for a wider plot that Miguel is initiating. Of course, I'm a little confused because Miguel doesn't have the drug yet, right? Yet he poisoned all of Belleville with it. No, he has the drug. The, why is Ilsen still working? Why is he complaining that Ilsen isn't working fast enough and needing all the I- illegal chemicals? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, but yes, the entire town of Belleville is poisoned with this, and if they don't get their vaccination, they will age 38 days for every hour. And to prove that he can do this, he sends to Cap and his lab mates an infected lion cub, which is also wired. I don't know if it has a collar or something. He can eavesdrop with them as well. Like, no one thinks to inspect the cat. They're like, okay, let's just keep it around and talk (laughs) top secret information around it. Is that how it was? I, I missed that little bit. I knew that Miguel was listening in. I never quite was sure how. I don't know where the bug is, but it's somewhere on that animal. And of course, right around the research scientists is the liaison to the president informing the scientists that, well, we don't deal with terrorists. We're not giving him any money. An easy villain for the late 70s, Carter, was his whole presidency was essentially sunk because of his negotiations with terrorists and a whole bunch of people got executed. And so it's perfect that they're now making this the villain, although strange that the White House is looking bad here. But then again, even Captain America can't defend this presidency going down. And when Miguel hears that the government won't pay, he sends a skywriting airplane to Portland, Oregon. (laughs) (laughs) That seems like a really inefficient way to poison people. It's like, well, put up your umbrella or stay inside. He's talking about putting it in the water supply at one point, so I don't know where he got the idea of the crop duster. Yeah, why don't you do that? Wasn't that a thing in the 70s with toxic waste, polluting the water, and Three Mile Island, all that? I mean, I don't know, maybe pesticides was a big issue then, too. This is way more steps than you need. I am a mass terrorist. This is what I do. I go around, I kill airports, I kill World Cup track meets, whatever. This is what I do. Why would you not just kill everyone in the town? Why isn't he just administering a poison rather than administering an aging drug? Why do you go to that? How is that helpful? It gives them time for a cure versus a poison which would just kill them all. His whole point isn't to kill. His whole point isn't destruction. His whole point is money. Which they would gladly pay if you killed everyone in a city. They'll pay you not to poison the rest of the country, right? I think that that's a bigger threat than we're going to turn you all into senior citizens. Well, here's what's weird is Miguel makes this big point. Like, they got to pick the perfect city. And I was actually kind of engaged. I'm like, ooh, what city is the perfect city to age? They're like, it's got to have between four and 500,000 people. I'm like, okay. I, I don't know why. Like, I, why did they pick Portland? Like, why could it only be four to 500,000? Is that all they had poison for? Portland, too. I mean, that's not a go-to city for me when I'm thinking about doing a big movie. But I guess on this budget, that's what you could afford. We won't miss it, but I do love this <laughs> scene because they look out, this smile spread across the sky. Do yeah, you think the Skywriter like, just threw that in for free? Like He likes to get artistic with his craft? Or do you think Miguel said, you need to spell smile out? Like If you're just going to dump poison on people, do you have to really make it look pretty? I was just confused as to what they were doing because at first I thought it was a crop duster and I'm like, ah, they're spreading it in the air. They're like, wait, no, they're skywriting. Are they skywriting a ransom demand? What's going on? Oh, wait, the skywriting is the poison. That's 
pointless. I love how like excited the citizens of Portland get about the skywriting too. Like there's this dude that's just going on and on explaining how skywriting works and oh no, it it's dissipating too quickly. There's something wrong with the skywriting. <laughs> that's not some dude. Don't you recognize Mr. Fantastic? Oh no. It is. No. That's why he's so smart. It's Reed Richards. I was like, well this explains the gray temples. He got the aging stuff dumped on him. That's Alex Hyde White from Corman's Fantastic Four hitting on a girl oh, and wow. as she's sniffing the poison and going, it's nice. I love that we experience this whole moment as a, an attempted pickup. So that's why his name was purple in my IMDb. I have this weird thing. You know, all your clicked links are purple. I always get strange connections in IMDb. You know what? Maybe Sue was really his age and we just didn't know it because he got poisoned. <laughs> Oh, seven months later, <laughs> we still pick on that. At any rate, this is a very bizarre tangent. It finally gives something for Wendy Day to do. Now played by Connie Selica, or would go on to be in Greatest American Hero. Yep. They apparently couldn't work the other actress coming back. She actually was employed, so she was marrying Robert Urich. So they had to tell her so long, farewell, Avita saying goodbye. <laughs> That's right. She was in The Sound of Music. <laughs> So here's where I get really confused. She's the only scientist working on getting a cure. Like everyone is so concerned about paying a ransom or not. No one else is trying to figure out what's going on with the drug. It's one chick. They get a vial of the antidote and it's, it's only one or two doses, right? Oh, I love her science, by the way. They're analyzing all these compounds. I thought they were doing impressionist watercolor paintings. No, it's finger yes. paints. <laughs> I agree. You have managed to turn this into watercolors. I thought that they were all taking lessons from Steve on it, like art. <laughs> I'm like, it all comes back to art. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so you have one sample. She's trying to determine whether it's safe or not, because why would he send poison? That doesn't even make sense. He would want to show that he could demonstrate, but she wants to determine it's not poison. So she bravely injects herself on an airplane, a public plane. She's like freebasing. No, it's actually Air Force One. This is what doesn't make sense. They have a lion there that has the aging formula in it. Which, okay, that's probably what you'd want to experiment on because it's aging, and if you inject it, it will stop. And I get it, you know, airport security, not as strict back then, but probably still hard to get a line, except it is a private plane. They're government agents. Like, I don't think they have a problem putting a line on the plane, injecting it, and seeing if it stops aging. Well, she didn't have to inject herself on the plane. She had the cure in the same lab as the damn lion. No, it makes no sense. Did she inject herself with the aging cure, though? Like, was she aging in the first place? Yes, she injects herself. This is important to understand. She says, oh, I will determine if it's safe by injecting herself with the cure rather than injecting it with the thing that's infected. Yeah, we'll never know if it's a cure. She was only testing to see if it would kill humans. By No, she was inoculating herself because she said if they're spreading a bunch of this dust around and it's a windy day, windy day is going to be okay. That's what she did. This bitch is enterprising. I'm on to her. Oh, it's the name of science. Let me inoculate myself from the poison that's going to kill all of you. Okay, but if a terrorist is giving you this, rather than inject myself, I just put on the hazmat suit before going to town. Nobody wears hazmat suits. They couldn't afford them. <laughs> oh, we can afford one suit, and it's the guy on the motorcycle. And it's 
No, I'm not really impressed with her altruism. I really don't understand the need for Wendy at all. Last time, they were at least hinting at the fact that she and Steve were going to become an item, maybe eventually, once he's off the steroids and can get an erection again. <laughs> now, they've totally changed it. Everything is about him going after this farm woman or her child, and nothing about this scientist. She's completely useless. Rather than recast it with Connie Selica, they should have just cut the character entirely. Stuart, 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 did you never watch Knight Rider? No, I never did but then we discussed this in nick fury i would never watch that all <laughs> because the whole thing with so many of these shows including knight rider's the one that comes to mind for me is david hasselhoff went town to town every week and romanced a new woman but his mechanic was a woman who he flirted with too and it goes star trek did this with ensign rand there's always the one woman who's there week after week for the sexual tension and yet the hero still bangs whatever chicks happens to be in need that week. Yeah, that might be useful when there actually is sexual tension in the show. I don't know what's up with Steve here. There, there's, <laughs> I know he's supposed to be hitting on the horse lady, the farmer lady. I'm just not feeling any. I, I'm telling you, the only attraction I felt was between Reb and Pete. Well, at this point, when the sheep turns up dead, I'm like, oh no, who left Reb out in the barn alone? <laughs> Oh, wait, it just aged. Okay, some convoluted thing about how they inoculated all the farm animals. But that sheep wasn't gone that day. Uh, whatever. I don't even want to talk about it. At any rate, we got a dead sheep, and now Steve is being thrown in jail. I just love the detective work in this film. Like, they know this is Whitey the sheep because that sheep had a barbed wire cut on its leg, and now this aged sheep has a barbed wire cut on its leg, supposedly. Oh, that's nothing compared to what Steve does later on. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, th this is, like, Sherlock Holmes stuff compared to some of the <laughs> detective work. You know, again, he got that 100% body from his steroid. But, man, th the brains in this film. They're lacking. They're still lacking. He's still waiting for that full flag-style brain. But you know what? Fortunately, everyone else in Belleville is just as stupid as he is because he rips open the bars yes. of the jail and goes away, and the next thing they see is Captain America riding past on a bike, and they go, oh, look, Captain America busts Steve out of jail. Where's yes. Steve? I don't know, but let's follow Captain America. I want to give this film serious props for one thing. I like the bike cam on this. They now have POV shots from Steve riding the bike, and that is actually cooler than anything we got in the last movie. True, although it re-emphasizes the fact that his windshield is a piece of flimsy plastic as it blows in the <laughs> And then I love it. So there's all these people in Jeeps that are like surrounding Belleville and pushing everyone to Greenwood and keeping this all under wraps. And so the, all the Jeep people chase the superbike to the dam, right? They've got him cornered and Steve's trapped. And there's this evil henchwoman with a CB radio. And she's like, it's impossible for anyone to jump our Jeep. And I'm like, yeah, right. Like this guy, he's going to clearly jump over their Jeep, right? This is <laughs> obviously where this is setting up. Like he's racing right at her. He's like, it's impossible impossible for him to jump over this it actually is impossible for him to jump over this jeep <laughs> he can jump up and like catch a helicopter last thing but this time no he goes over the edge he falls through the dam like was this intentional <laughs> i'm sure no stuff people were killed in this but why didn't he jump them and keep driving why make the choice to jump into the dam, particularly when later it's revealed he has a built-in hang glider. But the action in this is a lot more fun. We can all agree, right? They've ratcheted it up to an absurd level. I mean, there's fights with bags of flour. I mean, all of this. <laughs> it's just my favorite bit is when they finally figure out 
that Miguel is at the prison. And it's through some crazy ass piecing together. I want to point out what this is. I want to describe it for the listeners. Cause yes, this is crazier detective work than Whitey the Sheep. They send in little Peter to check the vet's odometer. And then the vet goes away and comes back and they look at the odometer again to figure out how far he went. Now, he better not have stopped at any McDonald's or it's going to throw off the calculations. And then they check the tires for debris and pull off a bit of tar and a weed. Yes, a weed that plagues everybody. Oh, that weed. Everyone knows that weed. It's only in the southeast part of town. <laughs> and that tar is from a fresh road that happens to be going to the new federal penitentiary where there's a new warden that started a few months ago. It is so good that Peter's mom works for the Department of Transportation to know all of this. Uh, yeah, certainly if somebody ran up to me with uh, some kind of twig or weed, I would be able to tell them <laughs> what part of Venice that I could find it growing. <laughs> You know where to get the weed, Stuart. You know where to find the weed in Venice. <laughs> Actually, I do. <laughs> I love they asked Peter, too. You good at memorizing numbers? Solving this terrorist plot depends on a 10-year-old kid being able to memorize numbers. That's not stupid, Jacob. That's smart. Because the only ones that are going to be enjoying this are kids that age. I mean, we like to see kids figure it out. And it's cool that now there is an actual kid being partnered with Captain America. I mean, we look at it as adults now and we make pedophile jokes. But truly, at the time, what they're doing is they're matching the hero with this audience. I'm not even making a pedophile joke. I'm saying this is like watching Captain America stand around while the villain gets CPR as the climax. Like, if you're going to have a superhero, shouldn't he do stuff to save the day? Instead of sending in the town folk to do it for him? Well, this is what I'm getting at. Once they finally determine that he's got to go to the prison and they have the big battle, <laughs> Miguel decides to sick the dogs on him. <laughs> he does. He wants to give them a triple dose, over D the dogs, on the secret old aging serum. Why? So be some mangy, barely alive, arthritic pooching. Yes. Attacking America when he finally gets it to sell. They wanted the dogs to gum Captain America to death. Why would you make them older? They'll give him mange? I don't know. What's funny is this scene when Captain America came out last year, Conan O'Brien kept saying, we have a special secret clip from the new Captain America movie, and then would show this clip again and again and again. <laughs> Really? It is. It's the best one from any of these Reb Brown ones I did. When this clearly very trained dogs that are happy to see Reb are jumping <laughs> around him and he's pretending to deflect them, but very lightly, lest he get in trouble with animal rights groups with his shield. It's, it, this is comic gold. I, I'm glad that somebody else found this clip and promoted it. I don't watch Conan, but good choice. And it's just so great because, again, I stress this shield is too small to defend him from anything and he's trying to defend dogs and it's like a frisbee sized thing it's a glorified frisbee i mean let's call it what it is but frisbees were cool in 1979 that was the year of the frisbee i mean I, this I, movie brought to you by whammo yeah i definitely would have wanted the frisbee with the captain america logo on it i'm not sure i wanted wanted the shield if those mangy ass dogs were attacking me <laughs> But yeah, you, you, how can you fight off three dogs with something about one foot long? Well, and dogs age faster than humans, so you just got to stand around and outweigh them. They're going to die fairly soon. Yeah, if every hour is 38 days to a human, and every year is seven years to a dog, how fast are the dogs? <laughs> I need little Peter, who's good with numbers, to tell me the answer to that equation. Hey, he's better than Duke Williams. But Miguel escapes the prison... 
but the real prison guards think Captain America's breaking in, so they start shooting at him. And now, for the rest of the movie, Captain America gets shot at a lot. I have to say, if these guys were trying to hit that tiny shield, they couldn't. Yeah. But, but yet, every single <laughs> bullet hits that shield. I'm fascinated, though. I want to know how they got the ricochet effect on that shield. I can't figure that effect out. They probably got the same people that have the bullets bounce off Wonder Woman's wrist cuffs. Ah! Good thinking. Yeah, he's got a lot of Wonder Woman in him this time. I feel like those jumps and all of that, it really, uh, you know, he just needs a lasso of truth. <laughs> Speaking of jumps, uh, I mean, oh. like he's got to get out of this prison, but he's got to keep the motorcycle because, like we said in the last film, they're really concerned about motorcycle continuity in these. <laughs> we always need to know where the motorcycle is. He's got to get over these prison walls. So I guess he couldn't fly over the Jeep, so he's not going to be able to fly over the walls. Why didn't he just leave the motorcycle outside the wall and break in? <laughs> but somehow he got the motorcycle in and hid it. Because he had to ride the motorcycle inside the jail, because that makes really sense. The best way to get around tight areas is to have a big old vehicle. <laughs> well, at least it has whisper quiet mode. Yes. But I, he picks up his motorcycle and throws it straight up in the air, like 80 feet, and it, like, lands perfectly on top of this prison at, wall. Like At the apex of the straight-up throw, it then moves about four feet to the right before landing gently. <laughs> and then, of course, he jumps up there to get back onto it. Like, wow. I can go with him jumping that 80 feet because he's got flagged steroids. But that motorcycle throw was brought to you by the same people who do the shield floating. <laughs> what I don't understand is the fact that Miguel has to drive to go meet the helicopter. It's a helicopter. <laughs> Have it come to you. You don't need to drive for miles and miles in your four-door sedan while the guy that's going to get you is on a jet-powered hang glider outfitted <laughs> superbike. You're what? not going to get there in time. And if you're the world's best terrorist, why are you in a sedan? <laughs> I love it. He really gets worried towards the end. You notice that? And they cut to his odometer. He goes 50 miles an hour. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I go faster than this guy to my job every day. <laughs> and here's the deal, though. Captain America's not much brighter because he has a hang glider hooked up to his motorcycle. Pretty badass. And it's a flag, too. You know, feel the patriotism. Of course. And I get it. This is like their money shot for this film. This is where all the money went. And so, of course, they're going to spend like a half hour of hang glider scenes, which when you got a motorcycle with a rocket on it, it makes much more sense to hurry and land because hang gliders, that's gliding. It's not powered. Like you could have caught up to that sedan a lot quicker if you would have landed and just flip on the silent rocket. <laughs> well, when they finally land, we get the showdown between Count Dooku and Captain America. The old jungle fighter. I mean, I laughed out loud at this. He can't be fooled with the boomerang trick. He's no Venice Beach mugger. He's Miguel. <laughs> the revolutionary. But the Frisbee does destroy that vial of serum that he's throwing at him and splashing Miguel. And we get what truly has to be the same death he's probably done a million times is Dracula. <laughs> I mean, how many times have I seen him get staked and turn into a withered old skeleton here? I mean, it must have been in his contract. <laughs> See, I, I was thinking this is where Indiana Jones on the Last Crusade, they just stole their ending from this. Oh, yeah, yeah, clearly. You know, you sit from the grail and turn old, and here it is. He gets doused with the liquid. and Well, Alex Hyde-White was also in that movie, so now we know who the culprit is. <laughs> he was the back of Sean Connery's head. <laughs> You've listened to our old shows, I see. <laughs> 
I was there, man. I've suffered every bit on this show. You know, like at the end of this, Cap gets a little like juice splashed on him. He's like, oh, I lost three weeks of my life. I'm like, you're going to cry to me? How many months of my life have I lost to movies like this? <laughs> Ain't no violins for you, Cap. <laughs> yeah, I was really confused by this antidote. Like, I thought it would reverse the aging. But no, like once you've aged... That's it. Sorry. They can't do that because it opens up a whole lot of worms. At that point, if you found something that makes everyone young, well, isn't that a new problem? Like, they can't do that. <laughs> I thought that was the whole point. That's why the scientist was trying to speed up aging so he could reverse it. I got to say, I'm really disappointed we never cut back to Portland. I was seriously hoping to see Alex Hyde White and that chick, like, going on a date as old people with canes <laughs> and, like, you know, like, bad fright wigs and being like, well... At least we have this evening. I really thought we would see some young people turn into old, old people. But I don't think they want to drive it home. They want this to be a happy ending. Whereas I'm sitting there thinking a lot of people still had to have died, right? People who were like close to retirement. Right. Yeah. I mean, they should have wrote, if you're too old to read this guy writing, you're probably already dead. I mean, because, yeah, anybody over the age of 60, well, I don't know. It's only 10 months, guys. So even an 80-year-old. They can probably lose 10 bucks. They did go back to Portland to show Wendy Day testing out the antidote on the ugliest baby I've ever seen. Like, now I, I get know. And they show that baby multiple times. I'm like, stop, stop. It's hideous. Make it grow old. Oops, I put the wrong serum in and I killed it. Oh, well. Well, for all the laughs we've had, though, I have to say, I was watching my clock on this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this was painful. What? Really? There was some action, but man, it just, everything seemed to be moving in slow motion. Either that or I was aging at a rapid speed because I was like putting in my notes, 25 minutes left, 15 minutes left. I think what killed this was Belleville. They spent so much time there and very minor plot elements. But he's Captain America. I mean, it makes sense he'd go to small town America. I mean, he doesn't have to spend half the movie there, though. But you know what? That, again, is what feels the most incredible hulkish to me is David Banner goes to a small town. Yeah. small town has a secret. He's trying to find work and stay quiet. The secret envelops him, and then he has to end up hulking out and stopping everybody. So that's the part that I should have gone with the most, and I kind of did. What wasn't working for me was all the scenes with the scientist. I mean, we kind of glossed over them because they're freaking boring. But there's a lot of scenes with scientists discussing this whole thing. Uh, you're right. Now that I can see this as a second episode, I'm thinking of it less as a sequel movie, as an episode, they've got the formula wrong. They really should have had the end of the last movie be, I'm not going to be your Captain America, and him riding off in his pimped up van to go find himself or whatever, and keep having to be Captain America when he stumbles into these problems. I think you don't need those laboratory people. It can be him on his own, like David Banner. And yeah, just each week going, you know, town to town and solving their problems. I think that that would have worked just fine because it would have eliminated all those useless characters that are the feds, the people that the counterculture don't want to like anyway. You cut them out entirely. And that way he can romance a new chick each week, too. Yeah, I mean, Len Berman, who I liked last time, this time is just not given anything to do. And Reb, who I had so much problem with last time. He's pulling it off here for me. He's better. He's not good, but he's better. But they spend 
a good third of this movie with tiger cubs and finger paintings of scientific analysis. And when they said the cure, trying to do an analysis to see if they can replicate the cure. I mean, they need to do that because when they said the cure, I'm like, well, they can just replicate the cure. And so they needed to say they couldn't, but they could have just said, well, we tried. We can't replicate the cure. And so all the scenes with, strangely, Miguel, I was not enjoying Christopher Lee in this. Admittedly, he's not given much to do except just expouse endlessly. I think he might have been on set two days. And the scenes with the scientists, I was actually digging the Bellevue stuff. The rest of it, not so much. Well, I mean, digging it might be a, an extreme form of the word, but I do feel heads and tails this is a much stronger effort than the last time. It's funnier. It's more outlandish. It does feel like a show finding its footing, and I could now see it more clearly as a weekly series, which is not to say that I would have watched it. And I just hope that weekly series would end the same way that this one does. We get a little art lesson. How do you catch that special something in my mommy? I just paint what I see. Like, I really hoped we would have gotten an art lesson at the end of every episode. How do you catch that special something in my mommy? That sounds like the clap. <laughs> I'm just quoting this movie. My, my question for you, though, is Cap done? You know, he always was kind of a slacker. It didn't seem like he was gearing up to go have another adventure in another town. I mean, he was like, here, have this dog. I don't want it. Take it. I'm going to take your mom now. Go away. Back off, kid. Your mom's mine. I, it seemed like Cat was settling down. I feel like he wasn't going to go wandering anymore. No, no. there's some old ladies in New York that need help cashing their pension checks. <laughs> Listen, this is, again, the end of every action episode. Is You never see them break up. I mean, David Banner, you always had the da-da-da-da, I have to leave you. Da-da-da-da-da, <laughs> I gotta go. Da-da. But most of the shows ended with a big smile, a thumbs up, and credits roll, and next week, who, who was that chick? I don't know. I got another one. How 70s. I didn't think at all that he was settling down. Now that you said that, I see why you'd think it. But to me, this was just the end of Night Rider. He gets one last bang before moving on to the next town, the next chick, and the next evil villain. But alas, he does not. This was the end. There was no more. They decided they weren't going to pay $50,000 more to do another TV movie. And maybe these things were going out of vogue, too, I feel like. And let me tell you, there's nobody more pissed about this than Reb. Because in my research for this, I found a TMZ article from last year. Yes, 2011. And this is a quote. This is the headline. Red Brown pissed he wasn't in new cap film. Of course. He's not just mildly perturbed. He's not hurt. He's pissed that Lou Ferrigno got to cameo in both Hulk films. And Reb was not called up to join Chris Evans in Captain America. Reb is no Lou Ferrigno. I mean, Lou Ferrigno, he's iconic as the whole. Even if it was a silly 70s TV show. I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, Arnie's calling it silly. But even if it's a 70s TV show, that's still in the pop cultural zeitgeist. Reb Brown, no. No. You would have been forgotten if this new Captain America film didn't come out and Conan resurrected your film career. Well, at least he can take comfort for the fact that he and Christopher Lee would star in a movie again in six years. They would appear in Howling 2. Your sister is a werewolf. Someday, Stuart. Someday. <laughs> Red Brown, we will meet again. And he'll get his now playing award appearing for the third time. Set of the golden headphones. Assuming I live through all this Marvel stuff. We still got a long way to go, guys. Well, before we do, Jacob Stewart. Do you recommend Captain America 2, Death Too Soon, Jacob? This one had more potential. Like, for me, this is like, I know who killed me. If you could watch this in those Conan, you know, YouTube clips, 
there's some entertaining stuff here. Like this wasn't going to be a good movie, but it was going to be an entertaining. I could laugh at this. This is corny and cheesy and campy type film. And it does have those moments. I was more entertained with this film than the first one. But in the end, it still had a lot of the same problems. Just the pacing was just slow and I got bored during it. Between those laughs, I was bored and I'd lose my attention. And every time it made those little $6 million man sounds, I still hoping a friend was really texting me, pull my attention away from this. Recently, there's a famous Captain America panel that is used for a lot of internet memes because it's so ridiculous. It's Captain America pointing at the A on his masks you know after being accused of being a coward and turning away he said do you think this a stands for france the a in this film may not stand for france but it it could stand for a lot of other f words that i could think of (laughs) and that's the grade i'll give this one it's marginally better than the first one but still not a recommend Stuart, no you are underselling this if you're only going to do one Reb Captain America movie. This is it. If you have been waiting for a superhero to fall on his face and be in these cheesy... You know, we've tried several times now. Generation X, Corman Fantastic Four, Nick Fury, and the last one. This is by far the silliest and most fun to watch. I would say if that's what you're looking for, I can recommend it. But if you're looking for a good movie, Death Too Soon... <laughs> Not soon enough. I mean, this thing, particularly having this been the second one, if this were the one and only Red Brown Captain America, it would have been a lot more fun to watch. But we're now three hours into this, and I want my life back. I mean, truly, I feel robbed like the aging serum. I just feel robbed here. But this is the better one. I can clearly say that this is the funny one. So for that small minority, I recommend but for everyone else, a strong not recommend. I agree this one's the funny one. I don't think the A stands for some F words. I think the A may stand for asinine, absurd, arbitrary. But I did have some great laughs at this movie. And yeah, I think, Jacob, you have it right. The best way to watch this is in small chunks on Conan O'Brien every night, you know, separated. And ah, that's funny and stupid. And then we move on, you know. I think Conan O'Brien could take this movie and almost, if you know Conan, he had a big lever and he'd pull it and it would show some silly scene from Walker, Texas Ranger. You could do that with this Captain America movie and a couple of scenes from the last one. It's silly and funny at times, but it's not silly and funny enough, nor is it good enough to sustain the more serious 70s action-y scenes. And by action-y, I don't mean where there's actual action. I mean the 20 minutes of dialogue that takes place between the action scenes in those shows. Again, I'm fine with Reb this time around. It's the other scenes. It's the scenes with Miguel and the scenes back at the Secret Service or whatever government agency they are base that just make this movie drag and... Yeah, Death Too Soon, this movie could not be over too soon for me. When any time, I have this habit, I'm a doodler. And when I was in school, even through grad school where I was supposed to care, if I was in a tedious class, I would write in my notes, 20 minutes left, 18 minutes left. And just that would be my way of keeping myself doing something while the clock ticked away. And I was doing that during this movie. And I think it's one of the first times in all of Now Playing, maybe the second, that I had to do that because... The laughter was punctuation between long bouts of tedium. So no, not recommend. I wish I could warzone this one. And if it had had more old ladies mugged on Venice Beach, I could have. 
But but for the TV stuff, for the real low budget stuff that never saw the light of the theater, you got to admit over Generation X, over Corman Fantastic Four, over the last one, and even Nick Fury, this is the best, right? No, for comedy, for comedy, uh, yes, I would say. I think I laughed more during the first half of Nick Fury than I laughed through all of this film. I don't know. Nick Fury had Hasselhoff chewing it up, but this one with the dogs and the tiny little stripper shield, I got to give this one the edge. Yeah, this one definitely. I mean, Hasselhoff thinking he's funny is not funny to me. Reb Brown thinking he's a superhero is funny to me, and that's the difference. The unintentional comedy always wins out over the ham that's, uh, you know, mugging too much. I will call, though, Nick Fury is eminently more quotable than this movie. Uh, I couldn't remember a line of it. But then again, this whole series has been a foggy haze, man. And maybe it's time to leave the 70s behind. I think I've had a little bit too much of the brown acid here. Let's get to a real Captain America movie. Well, we'll take one week off, but we're going to be back in the 70s in two weeks. You cool with that? Sure, man. We're going to jump to the 90s, man. Generation X. You know, we saw the 70s version of Captain America. What will they do when he's in the grunge age? Well, it's it's <laughs> technically, I think, the 1989 version of Captain America. Is it? I thought it came out in the 90s. It came out in the 90s. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> Scratch it. I think it was made in 89 and took a while to... Yeah, it's Dolph Punisher territory. Uh-huh. Well, let's get ready for a more literary take. I mean, this is the one with Catcher in the Rye, the, the guy who wrote that, right? Sure. Captain in the Rye. Captain in the Rye. Yes, J.D. Salinger's son in Captain America. We will be back next week where we finally get a more cartoonish take of Cap as he's fighting his old villain, the Red Skull. We finally get out of small town America and into some big Nazis. I hate to say it, but I, I'm ready for the return of Nazis in my comic book movies. So we will be back then. So until next time, Jacob Stewart, now playing host, Disassemble. Well, you watch your step, Fury. I had your pink slip before and I can do it again. The world's changed since you ran off to the wilds. Your particular brand of vigilanteism isn't going to cut it anymore. Put up that cigar! Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing's The Avengers. Some assembly required. Not bad. You've got talent. It's what I had in mind for maybe the rest of my life. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another film featuring a Marvel Comics Avenger. I can't force you to do this, but if you choose it of your own free will, then come to my house. All the way through a weekend of release review of The Avengers this May. Let's see world trembles this night. Our work has just begun. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss the Marvel movie films with other listeners. What's in it for me? You get to live a little longer. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other Marvel Comics films, such as Blade, X-Men, The Punisher, and Fantastic Four, as well as non-comic book-based series, including Star Trek, Terminator, Predator, Philip K. Dick, Tron, and many more. I have things to show you, powers beyond your comprehension. We also have individual movie reviews of films like Green Lantern, Avatar, Cowboys and Aliens, and Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Ours not to reason why, ours but to do it. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes, and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews, 
Links to our social media pages are at nowplayingpodcast.com. From this moment on, I want to know about every idea that you guys entertain from the moment it pops into your head. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. I see this part of our debt to the community. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Even if you get the money, you're still going to release the virus, aren't you? You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more. The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. Appreciate the vote of confidence, people. Expect a little something extra in your Christmas stockings this year. Now Playing's Avengers, Some Assembly Required, retrospective series, is edited by Arnie. No general expects to win every battle. Now Playing Credit Narration, Pipe Rock. Quite a mouthful when you try and wrap your tongue around it. Now Playing is not affiliated with Marvel Enterprises. The Marvel characters and all that the Marvel Universe contains is the intellectual property and trademark of Marvel Publishing Incorporated, and no infringement is intended. Jam Captain America down their throats. At the same time, protect yourself. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. Now relax, kid. I'm just blowing smoke up your uh... Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2012, all rights reserved. Get it? Got it. Good. Get Jennery back. Don't you dare cut me off, you comic book coward! And this is Jacob, the now playing host that's better than Duke Williams. I don't know what that means. I don't get it. They ask the kid if he's good at memorizing numbers, and he says, better than Duke Williams. Oh, I wrote down something else. Oh, that joke now makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) What did I write? Because I had a big question mark by it. Yeah, where did that happen? When we find it, I'll let you know. We're getting straight to the bloopers on this show. Oh, my God. Who's Duke Williams? Yeah, Duke Williams. Better than numbers. Okay. (laughs) That was actually kind of clever. Now he's recommending it. Not age appropriate. (laughs) Yeah, we can still talk about it. (laughs) All right. Last time we saw him, he was saving all of Phoenix from a neutron bomb Well, he was watching a guy get CPR. (laughs) <laughs> but last time he stopped phoenix from a neutron bomb being i don't care if he's miguel or if he's pierre or if he's did you cut out i'm thinking um he's trying to come up with a name yeah, yeah. an ethnic sounding name yeah i know i'm like i need a third yeah country. it's deadly yeah. you could end up saying something <laughs> offensive exactly stopping <laughs> <laughs> I actually think I remember him. If I recall right, he was one of Matt's gay lovers. Why do I know this off the top of my head? They need to start releasing uh, Melrose Place movies so you could be the expert on that retrospective. <laughs> Remind me to tell you about my Melrose Place blog sometime. I was just Mel- going to say, and then you could blog, do your weekly blog of all the episodes. Vilson is completely poisoned with the aging thing, and if they don't get vaccinated for every hour, they'll age 38 days. What did you say? What did you call it? Belson? It's Belleville. Belleville. Okay, I can answer. Are you going to say it again? He's just going to cut Belleville. Yeah, I'll just cut Belleville in. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The editor self is cursing you right now, by the way. (laughs) FYI. (laughs) 
Arnie, the editor, is like, you f***ing asshole. Why couldn't you just stay the g*** on the line? Because I don't remember what I said. Like frosting at the mouth. Hey, he's better than Duke Williams. I still haven't found who I thought that was. Hold on, let me see if I can find that. I didn't write it down, or I didn't translate it. Oh, I don't have it anymore. Boo. Sorry. Never mind.